What is up, everybody? Thank you all for joining me on the latest Mortcast, part of the CSG Network. I'm, of course, your host, Jeff Morton. Um, interesting. I, I've, this is going to be a subject that not everyone is into, but there's a lot of things that interest me here that, as, as you've known on this podcast for the last 12 years, or almost 13 years, I've been, I've been doing this and Ross and Nate, is that we don't necessarily cover everything that everyone talks about. We kind of do what we want here. And this kind of plays into what I want to talk about here. Now, I'm going to give you a little bit of setup because in the first half, I'm going to talk about my flirtation with going a certain way and one reason I didn't. And in the second half, I'm going to talk about um, old Ethan Sherwood Strauss, or as I knew him for a long time, Sherwood Strauss, um, do, um, using the ratings for the NBA over Christmas as some sort of confirmation bias about how the NBA's really in trouble. And I think he's got some points about the NBA being in trouble as far as ratings goes, but using the NFL as an example of this was a completely specious argument, and I'm going to get into that. But I'm going to talk about my brief flirtation with going to Substack. Um, it, I left Denver Stiffs in uh, May of 2017, um, and as many of you know, I made my return in uh, October of this last year. But one of the reasons I left was because I just got <clears throat> extremely burned out, and to the point where I just couldn't face writing another thing, particularly since I wasn't being paid. Um, these these uh, you work a lot, you get credentialed, and your compensation for it, it's the whole SB Nation model of basically your lure became getting credentialed. And um, as we all know here, uh, we got credentialed at Denver Stiffs in 2012 and became the first um, blog in Denver to be officially credentialed before Mile High Report, before any of the other major Broncos ones, Rockies ones, Avalanche ones. We were we were the first. Um, and that was down to the hard, extremely hard work of Nate Timmons. And uh, Nate will play into this in a second. But we... You know, it just, I guess I got so burned out that I couldn't face it anymore. And I, I tried to do other things and I briefly wrote some articles for My Life Sports and stuff like that. I, but I just, I couldn't, I couldn't face it anymore. And I kind of retreated from all of it because it, and, and aside from doing this podcast, which I have not stopped doing for, you know, almost 13 years now. Um, so I, I just couldn't face the grind. It, it really is extremely extremely arduous to constantly write about it, go to games, go to practices, do all this stuff and, uh, get really no reward for it. And I just was like, I'm, I can do this on my own without, I can, I can do this for free on my own without having to deal with SB nation's bullshit. So I did that. And, um, that was almost seven years ago now. And one of the reasons this, 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 I'm back was last year sometime. I was like, you know, I got thoughts and I'd seen a lot of sub stackers out there. Now this isn't including my friend, Tim Miller, who is on the bulwark. It, the bulwark's different. They're, they're a, an organization. Um, they aren't independent. Um, but I was thinking about starting a sub stack called nuggets of wisdom, you know, pretty full of itself, but this what the first thing I could think of. 
And I stared at this thing for what amounted to be two to three weeks, and uh, it became imminently clear to me that I am not hot takey or engagement driven. I don't have the the desire. Some of it has to do with my age. I am significantly older than most people who are in uh, this sort of media sphere, this this branch of media sphere. Most uh, most uh, bloggers and podcasters are not my age. Uh, I mean, basically, you've got um, Zach Lowe, Brian Windhorst, and me. And Windhorst and Lowe get paid for the writing on a, in a major way and all that stuff. But we we are in that area, and then there's Hollinger and stuff like that. But Hollinger, I don't I don't include him because he is he was was part of an NBA team and he created a bullshit PR thing, um, which got him noticed. So there is a there's there's all that going on. But I'm I'm a lot older, so I don't have the desire to farm and constantly farm engagement. And it, what you see from a lot of Substackers is constantly doing something to provoke reading. It's kind of like the way that Elon Musk has tried to change Twitter into getting paid for engagement, which is this, you, in order to do that, you have to constantly, and, and I think in this sense, negatively polarize people into reacting to what you put out there. In a different sense, Substack is like that because you are constantly looking for subscribers and engagement on these things. You need to get people to read your shit in that way. Rather than just it being about necessarily what you're writing, there has to be something in there that is is provocative that provokes people into either A, reading or engaging with you on, on social media. I, I just don't have that in me. I don't. And I stared at this this attempt at an article and I'm like, I, I don't want to do this. I can't do it. It's not in my personality. You know, I'm a Gen X contrarian. And I, I am, I'm fully aware of my generation's uh, nihilistic need to go the other direction. Uh, I've discussed about it on my other podcast, The Gen X Show. I, I completely understand that. Uh, and I sympathize with it. And in a lot of ways, I'm like that. And me, here, here's an example of me going the other way. So, and since 2018, I have not had a cell phone. I gave up cell phone because I was sick of people constantly talking to me so i went to so people text me on a, on on like ipads and stuff like that yeah but i just i i can't do a phone i just can't um and um, that strikes people in the modern society is weird but I, I went the other direction because i just got annoyed with it and that's a very gen x thing but the the coming back to Substack is I, I don't have this burning desire to constantly engage with people and provoke and get people engaged that way. Because whatever I write on Denver Stiffs is generally just something I've been thinking about. And it's just going to be as well written as I could possibly do it at the time. I have been blessed with an ability to, if it's not a super long article, like I used to do back in the day on Stiffs, I used to do these epic Mishner esque, you know, going back to when the land was formed and bringing it back to the current day. Our articles, um, I don't, I, I do not uh, do that. Um, I do, I, I did do that back then, but I don't do that now because I can, I can write an article and it was, you know, fucking 
I don't know what, like 15, 20 minutes and make it a good, well thought out article because I got a lot of bunch of trivial bullshit in my head, but that's not good for Substack, and that's not good for engagement. And that's none of that is good to far constantly farm subscriptions and all this stuff. I just, I just don't have that in me. And I couldn't think of an angle to make people engage with what I was writing inevitably because in, you know, even though I have a, a, a good following and have for, you know, well, 14 years now, uh, I don't have it in me to constantly engage with that. People who follow me do it because they like what I do, not necessarily because I say something inflammatory. In fact, I don't think, I don't recall anything I've ever done being inflammatory. The closest I came was when, was this article I wrote in November on Stiffs about the Nuggets need to repair their relationship with Carmelo Anthony, which got some people upset, but I think it was, there wasn't anything said in there that wasn't reasonable, right? So I don't, I don't look at things that way and I gave it up and I was like, I can't do this. So really that in, in doing that, and I've tried to start, then that goes back to the summer and that is kind of what led me back to writing the occasional article for Denver Stiffs because I can at least get that out there without having to constantly worry about farming, um, engagement, farming engagement is brutal. I don't, I don't. I can't, I can't engage in that kind of thing because I, I, it's exhausting and I don't know how anyone is able to do it. I honestly don't, but that's just me. So because I didn't have that in me, I couldn't engage on that level. There's guys like Matt Iglesias and obviously who I'm going to talk about in the second half of the podcast, uh, Sherwood Strauss, um, and uh, ben Dreyfus and all these guys, they're able to co- engage in the controversy in order to be able to get people to in- engage with them and be constantly on that. And I can't constantly be on the hustle either. It's just, I don't have, I'm not wired that way. I'm also extremely stubborn as um, some various people who've interacted with me will tell you. I'm extremely stubborn and I will I will engage with you as far as I'm willing to go. I will meet you halfway if it's on my terms and it's a terrible habit to have. So in that sense I couldn't I couldn't do it, you know. So my brief flirtation with Substack led me to back to Denver Stiffs. And of course, I'll never stop doing CSG. The CSG is my baby. Um, and it, it was Nate's baby and it was Ross's baby. And but this is this is something that is very important to me. I've invested countless hours into this podcast for nothing. And but I'm okay with it. Because I can do this and it's out there for posterity and people seem to enjoy it. Uh, the audience for CSG is not is not the biggest podcast in Denver, but it's very good, and I'm happy with it, and I'm happy with you guys listening to me. I don't need more. I don't need more than than what you guys are able to provide me, and everyone seems to like what I what I do. So thank you. So this comes back to old Sherwood Strauss. Now before I get into what was actually talked about, I'm going to talk to talk to you a little bit about old Ethan. Um, I don't know him. Um, he and I have barely interacted on social media. Um, I, I became aware of Ethan or as he was known in Sherwood, uh, back in 2012. Um, 
he was part of the Warriors World Gang, the second or probably the first block of uh, Golden State Warriors basketball uh, back back in the pre-big-time uh, Golden State Warriors run. So, and he's significantly younger than me, but he, he was part of that that gang on on there and then there was also golden state of mind and the the one that the that blog on um sb nation so you know that is where and and he was known as sherwood strauss i don't and then and then suddenly he was because the warriors got better got got really good a lot of the bay area people became very known um you know tim kawakami um you know, I've got guys like that who are able to, uh, I mean, even to a lesser extent, Mark Spears, who's been on this podcast, Mark, Mark, we used to work in Denver. Uh, so that's a different situation. But, um, you know, guys who are able to be engaging with, be engaging, <laughs> be able to engage with the, uh, the national uh, perspective um, while covering the local part of, of being, uh, covering the Warriors. So uh, Strauss was swept up in that and and Kate went to ESPN. And then, I don't know, a while back he went to, I forget how long it was. It was pre-pandemic. He went to the, the Athletic. Wasn't there that long. And then in 2021, he announced he was going to Substack. Um, you know, Ethan, Ethan Sherwood, um, I don't remember him being particularly hot takey. Um, I, I, I didn't read him that frequently. So, but that, that was my engagement. I do remember having a bit of a bet Twitter back and forth with him back in 2013 about the Denver Nuggets after the Nuggets had beat the, uh, beat the Warriors for the third straight time. It was after a game, the Nuggets played at home and the Warriors were starting to get better under Mark Jackson and I believe I remember having a Twitter exchange with him that lasted, you know, about four or five tweets. And that's it. That's that's really a limit of my engagement with Ethan. Uh, obviously, Adam Mares has been on his podcast several times. Uh, Strauss has been on uh, the DNVR show. So, you know, he would be able to comment on him like that. Then this isn't this whole thing isn't about uh anything necessarily negative about Ethan personally, but it's about the substack of it all. And in the second half of the podcast, I'm going to talk about the Christmas day ratings for the NBA and the kind of, um, non sequitur, uh, of it all from, uh, Strauss and kind of the confirmation bias of, of something that he is already talking about. So we'll be talking about that in the second half, but first I want to talk to you about Blanchard family wines located between 18th and 19th and Blake and Wazi in beautiful lower downtown Denver, Colorado, just a couple blocks away from Coors Field, right in the middle of the dairy block. They're always online at bfwcolorado.com. Go to the dairy block, get any sort of selection of their wines that you've got. They've got, they're all great. They're all great. I pretend to prefer the reds, but, uh, their selections of whites are great. Um, they got partnerships with West Western Slope uh, wine, um, vineyards, so you can get like uh, Rieslings, and Rieslings are really the grape of Colorado, so try those, check those out. But they also got uh, rosés, blends, anything you need from your favorite local uh, wine bar. They also got a location in Fort Collins. They got a location, a private location in uh, Golden for tastings, and of course they've got their original location in Sonoma County, California. 
Once again, they're located between 18th and 19th in Blake and Wazi in beautiful lower downtown Denver, Colorado, just a couple blocks away from Coors Field, right in the middle of the dairy block. They're always online at bfwcolorado.com. They're on Facebook and Instagram under Blanchard Family Wines. When you go in or you talk to them, tell them Jeff Morton from CSQ Podcast sent you. It was, uh, I knew this was coming because the NBA ratings took a while to come out. And this is last week and the NBA ratings were fine. Um, they had gone down a bit from last year and they primarily went down because the NFL scheduled three games on the same day. And, you know, the NBA, the NFL grew in ratings that, um, by something like 10%, I think, I don't know, 10 or 20%. Um, and the NBA didn't and, um, Ethan old Sherwood has been talking about how the NBA has a ratings problem and, uh, it, it does a poor job of marketing. Uh, I don't think necessarily this is his problem. I think, I think I think Strauss's uh, whole thing is about how the NBA needs to have an American star, which I don't disagree with, by the way. Um, the disengagement of the American public is, 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 is you could probably make a direct line from the lack of big American star to um, uh, the lack of serious engagement from the, the U.S. I, I, I don't think people are xenophobic. I just think people like people from their own country. I mean, really, that's that's truly it. So um, we try to make this a global sport, and it's not like soccer slash football um, where everyone seems to like it. It's not the same thing. Americans like Americans. It is what it is. So there's that a little bit of that going on. But the use of the NFL has some sort of example of of what um, is happening to the NBA is is completely it's it's specious and a non sequitur. It has nothing to do with the NBA ratings. Um, think of the NFL as a constant. They are a constant in every way, shape, or form. They will always be the number one sport in America. Americans like the NFL. They like football. It is it is deep embedded into the culture of whatever Americans like. It is it is deep. In, in in Denver, nothing will beat the Broncos uh, as for number one in this town ever. Um, the Broncos have been terrible since 2015. So we're going on almost 10 years of just just really bad football. They're still number one in Denver. It, it, it just is what it is. And I think even the NBA accept the, accepts this, which is why they probably went too far in the other direction and going all in on international things, which uh, I will comment on right at the very end. So using the NFL as an example of anything, as opposed to what happens with, with uh, the NBA is completely, it, it doesn't, you, 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 it's not a good example because it's, it's a constant, you know, it's, it's like an, an um, comparing, comparing a cloudy day to sunshine. The sun's always there, Right. Sometimes it's just more cloudy, you know, the, but the sun's always there. That's the NFL. Um, so the NFL having three games on Christmas was obviously going to depress NBA ratings. It just is what it is. The true test for this sort of thing will be when Christmas is on Wednesday this year, 2024. And the NBA will have the day all to itself because the NFL cannot schedule games on a Wednesday. So 
I ex fully expect NBA ratings to go up again. Okay, so my issue was was that this the using the NFL and whatever growth and blah 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 was happening at the same time when they're competing for the, on the same day is completely nonsense. You can't you can't use the NFL as an example of anything because the NFL is a constant. Um, there's a baseline in the in the NFL that is far and away larger than the NBA or any other sports league for that matter, and in, in the United States. So you can't use that. You can talk about your, your extraneous issues for why the NBA ratings are what they are. Look, the Nuggets and the Heat last year was okay. The, the ratings were okay. They weren't, they weren't bad at all. People were expecting it to be this ratings apocalypse. It wasn't. And I think, I think there was just this expectation of negativity. A lot of the issues with the NBA... As I've pointed out before, and I'm going to get into now, the NBA's ratings, quote-unquote, issues is a, has a long, lot to do with the, the lack of American star. And the ones that they are there, Zion and uh, Jaw, have their issues. So they can't really go all in on those guys. It really is a lack of American star, which obviously would boost ratings. It's just, it is what it is. But number two is that ESPN is having some serious, serious difficulties right now. And as I pointed out in my uh, little essay um, uh, podcast that I did about, oh, I don't know, uh, eight months ago, was the NBA it has got, during the Jordan era, got extremely, extremely lazy they relied on the omnipresence of Michael Jordan to market the league. And he was able to do it because, once again, this is where LeBron falls down. There was not a single athlete I have ever seen in my entire life who had the entire package of, of game in, in with a nexus of dominance with, uh, with their team and with the nexus of being just the ability having that preternatural ability to market himself and, and having the, the, just the, the market corner. There's never been an athlete more popular than Michael Jordan. There probably never will be. The NBA relied on that and the NBA farmed out its, its marketing to players. The problem is when you do that, you are, you are essentially leaving it to the marketability and the desire of an individual player to be engaged with media. Recently, Nikola Jokic has done more, but he's never going to be that guy. He's just not. He is the best player in the NBA, and he has zero real interest in becoming a magnetic star. The NBA has been wanting that for a long time from Jokic. I, I don't think they're going to get it. They got those, those Hotels.com commercials. And he did the Mike's podcast, but you're not going to see much more from, from Nikola Jokic. But they want their guys to be doing that. I mean, Giannis has been trying to do it. Uh, Embiid's been in some commercials. Um, but you're relying on the good graces of marketing. You're also relying on ESPN, who is extremely market-driven um, entity. ESPN is... Uh, their bread is buttered because of the word their distribution model. Their bread is buttered by the New York, L.A., things like that. And uh, also to a lesser extent, the Bay Area. But it, is, it, it, it really is where they are. They, 
They like it when the heat are good, but the heat, Miami is a small market. People don't, the people don't understand Miami is a small market. They're not huge. They're a glamour market and people want to go there, but they're not a, they're not a huge market. And so this really is the Northeast and LA. Um, and that's really what ESPN wants. ESPN has been dying for a long time. The NBA went all in on ESPN in 2002. When they did that, they cut off their nose to spite their faces because um, one of the keys that the the NFL has is not cable. The NBA, the NBA messed up. 90% of all NFL games are over the air. And having games over the air, regardless of whether you have an antenna or anything like that, but having your games on the basic, the basic, you know, ABC, NBC, CBS packages is, has been 100% key. And when the NBA gave that up, essentially when they went from uh, NBC, TNT to ESPN, ABC, TNT, they cut off their nose to spite their face, which they weren't to know back all the way back in 2002. But now it is upon reflection, one of the biggest issues they had because it also over relied on, on these um, packages, these RSN packages that really exploded in the, in the two thousands that were inevitably going to go bust. So the NBA, that is why a very significant factor of why the NBA has lost on ratings. Like sports are sports and there are people who will engage with sports on social media and they will get engage with uh, sports in various other mediums that has nothing to do with, with traditional um, TV or as they call it now, linear TV. The problem is uh, people will be more likely to watch you if you are on NBC than if you are on ESPN. That has not changed over the years. And ABC has never been good enough because of their package with Disney to direct people towards their regular ABC games. And that has been true the entire time ESPN has had... uh, had the uh, and ABC and the package from the NFL or it's gonna be a and, and from the NBA so that has been the ratings problem for the 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 NBA it has nothing to do with the NFL the NFL is a constant the NFL is just what it is you can't compare anything to the NFL but but you can you can compare the uh, NBA and their their TV package to the NFL and what the NFL did smartly and keeping things over the air. I'm very curious to see what the NBA does when they go to um, uh, this next deal because I am almost certain NBC will start getting some more games. And I am curious, or get some games, not more games, um... I'm curious to see how that works because one of the things that uh, the NFL has is that they are on NBC, ABC, CBS, and Fox. They are on all the over the air networks. The NBA needs to start getting on the over the air networks again, and that will help out ratings significantly. It doesn't seem like it because everyone's like cut the cord and all that stuff. You watch the ratings go up. 
when the NBA is suddenly available over the air more than they are now. Not on not on ESPN, not on TNT. I'm NBC, CBS, ABC, Fox. That has been the secret sauce of the and of the NFL. And I kind of wish that Ethan would have made that point. I kind of wish that Ethan would have gone there instead of using the NFL as a as a complete completely specious example. I mean, he needed to go say these games need and and half those games are on ESPN. It it was really weird. They only had two games over the air. It was insane. Anyway, all right. Thank you all for joining me on the latest Mortcast. I'm going to be back. Oh, I don't know. Probably in a couple days with another episode.